Hello and welcome to another episode of the Black Business Psychology Networks podcast. This episode is part two of an event that occurred on Thursday the 15th of October, which was entitled Psychology and Entrepreneurship. The event had four panellists who were describing and talking about their career histories. The panellists that were involved were Deji Maxwell, Amma Amwerje, Winnie Frimpong and Kay Maureen Prendergast. Stay tuned to listen to this question and answer session of the event. It's the time now, everybody. And um, before we start question and answer, there's a few things I, <laughs> I wanted to push. So we spoke about networks. So the Black Business Psychology Network. So if you're in the audience and you are Black and you are either studied psych- business psychology or organisational psychology, you want to or you have. If you go to Meetup, the site Meetup, and you just put in, I think, organisational psychology or occupational psychology, you'll find us. If not, you just uh, message me directly on LinkedIn uh, or wherever you find me. Just email me and I can let you know where that is. Amma's got her own podcast, Rice at Home, and the graphics for that is incredible. Deji's got his about a thousand different one platforms. Pastor Meerkat is one. I always see people talk about Pastor Meerkat on um, Twitter. I'm going to pass it on to the audience. So the first question is to Deji by Rebecca. And Rebecca's asked, Deji, did you do your side hustles simultaneously whilst becoming a well-being practitioner? That's the first question. I think I've missed one, actually. Yeah, yeah. So ironically, um, one of my side hustles was like a major part of my lifestyle. I was always kind of doing it alongside my life anyway. And it was always going to be that way because really and truly your side hustles I'm a major fan of your side hustles just being a way to monetize your hobbies so you're going to have your work time you're going to have your play time would you enjoy doing in your work time while well, I enjoyed making music what would I enjoy doing in your play time I enjoyed making music in my play time and I didn't really see it as work you only start to see it as work when you're starting to try and monetize it so with music it was kind of just an extension of that um, and then now with past the meerkat again it's like I've just turned me having conversations with my friends socializing and going out with my friends into actual content that you can you can kind of monetize and put out there as content there is a tedious process um you kind of need to bring your head around to that so that's where it kind of becomes work but i think we as our generation we have so much time like we have so much time on our hands that um work is literally just a little although it takes up a lot of your life you can make it so it only takes up a bit of your life again it's about it's not really about time so much because we have unlimited time um it's more about energy how much energy you're putting into work so if you can kind of compose yourself and make sure you're you're being smart with how much energy you're giving work then you have enough energy to put into something else and then you can do things simultaneously so yeah my whole life i've always been kind of doing stuff simultaneously but it doesn't it doesn't really feel like work thanks Deji and then another question for you is what was the route including time frame from being a well-being practitioner to a forensic consultant oh uh, you know what I think it was it was like I spent like two three years as the school well-being practitioner to the, doing the forensic stuff and there wasn't much forensic work while I was working in the in the school, but I was able to kind of structure my applications to focus on themes that are relatable to 
school and then relatable to the kind of work I was going into. So like while working in the school, I would kind of deal with a lot of parents that were offending or a lot of mm. minor offences, a lot of youth offences. So I kind of honed in on that in my applications because I knew I was applying to a forensic post where I was going to be dealing with offending behaviour the whole way through. So it's kind of, for, for that specifically, it was more about just structuring the application. Like I didn't have, when I got the forensic post, I didn't have excessive amounts of forensic experience at all. I was just able to kind of make it seem so and then focus on themes that are kind of transcendent between the two fields, basically. Thank you so much. I hope that answered your question, Rebecca. So another question for Rebecca for Kay is, how did you break through some of the barriers we face as an aspiring psychologist or as aspiring psychologists? You want Sorry. Okay. I think I just kept going. I don't know how else to really answer. I just kept going and I literally would have conversations with people within a kind of network in an area that I wanted to go into. So I've moved from assessment and development staff now to kind of doing DNI and then training. And that was, I wanted to always do that, but I always would say, oh, you don't have the experience. But then I started having conversations with people that were doing a lot in those fields and people that I had admired. And I don't know, I think I just started getting roles. And it's it, the network that you have, you know, they always say your network is your net worth. It, it really does help you to kind of break through some of the barriers. And then I, my advice would be, if you're not getting through with any of the Oxyc consultancies, think, um, think laterally, go outside of psychology and look for other organisations where you can use and develop your skills as a psychologist, but it's not a psychologist organisation, because I'm going to be very candid here. Psychology is very white, it's very kind of, and it's very, they want the same of the same. And unfortunately, it's not just only in occupational psychology, it's very prevalent in clinical psychology and it's changing, but it's not changing fast enough. And unfortunately, if you want to get ahead quick, that's why I'm saying you get a career coach because it helps you to plan out what skills do you want to develop and what kind of organizations can you develop these skills in? So that's how I think I broke some of the barriers. So I worked at Vodafone for a year and I designed and delivered their high, high potential assessment program for their senior leaders. So that experience then got me noticed by other management consultancies and say, oh, do you, would you want to come and do some work for us? So that's how I did it. But I don't know if I've got like a straight formula answer, but you, that's how you have to keep going. Like you have absolutely, you get knocked back, you'll get, you face a lot, you will face a lot of challenges. You have to be prepared for that. That's why you need a network to talk about these things but you also have to absolutely just keep going and you have to be kind of resolute in that this is what you want to achieve. And if that person isn't going to help me or that organisation isn't going to help me, what am I going to do to develop those skills and pivot and kind of navigate around, I hate those words because it's been used so much this year, <laughs> just to like change your course to, to make sure you get what you want. I hope that helps answers. <laughs> Fair, now that's spot on for me. Rebecca, let us know if that answered your question. And the second question is, when you reach out to potential mentors, they usually think you want them to give you a job. So what does what exactly does mentoring entail? And I'll start off with that. Like mentoring is an interesting one and reaching out to mentors is it's about developing relationships and Anne has spoken about it and you've all spoken about it. 
So going in cold with, will you be my mentor? Might not work so much. Um, getting to know them before COVID, it would be having a coffee or being like curious about what their job is or what organisation that they work for, doing your background research and then going in with, oh, I've seen that you've done this research or you work in this area. I'm really interested in it. Like, I'd love it if you had any time to go through this with me before you hit them with a, will you be my mentor? So I remember, um, I think Kay and I have like the same mentor and it took yeah, yeah, me a good two years of monitoring him. I mean, I know who he is anyway. I know what his work is like before I went in with the, will you be my mentor? Because it's kind of like, he already was my mentor. I just didn't tell him. <laughs> and that's how sometimes it is. It's building a rapport. It's a friendship. And it's not necessarily them giving you all the answers. Actually, a lot of the time you can share your stuff with them. There's people that they're not my mentors, but they're business kind of contacts. And even today and yesterday, I've never met the man in my life. I met him on Twitter. He wrote my CV back in 2014 for me because I needed some help to find a job. And ever since then, he's like given me work and put me onto different. Yesterday, he was like, can you do a voiceover for my ad for Instagram? I was like, yeah, of course, because I know he's good for it. And anytime there's anything, he'll help me out as well. And it's vice versa. So it's that someone called it business karma. He called it business karma yesterday. So helping them, you getting help in return. So it's that kind of relationship. Kay, would you add anything else? Yeah, so I luckily, because of I joined the Black Business Net Psychology Network, I then had exposure to that individual who mentors both me and Grace. But not even really exposure, I just knew that she knew him and I kind of wanted to ask questions. So how I ended up becoming his mentee was I literally, there was some stuff that I didn't know around kind of diversity and inclusion and I really wanted to pick his brain and I just was thinking, oh, I'm not going to email him because it's going to look weird. And I was, li- and with me, I'm impulsive. <laughs> so I will literally be there like, no, 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 I can't ask. And I just literally sent a message and said, oh, there's something that I'm doing. I'm presenting for a client and I don't understand this term. Do you understand it? And he messaged me back and he was like, um, we can have a chat about it if you want. So I was really surprised, but I think it's because he had been on his radar because of the networks that I was in and because I was friends with Grace. So I think that's probably what helped me as well. Prior to that, I have had people, it's the same kind of approach. I literally ask them a question or I offer to help. So if it's something you see that they're doing in their organization, that might come in like you're looking for a job. So if you don't want to look like that, you just want to build that relationship. I literally just send them a connection request on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is great for people that are introverted and don't want to go out and be like, hi, how are you? Send them a request. When they say thanks, when they accept, say thank you. And you just start a conversation there. And after like two or three times of having a conversation with them, ask them some questions, show that you're interested in them. And then, you know, say you're having this problem in your career. Could you give them, could they give you some insights? And then try and see if you can get a phone call and arrange a meeting or have a coffee. Just be nice to that person and get them to, see more of your personality then you can go in with the so do you mentor would you please mentor me and then see if that works and if you don't get the answer you want you keep trying just don't give up absolutely and just don't be afraid to ask you're probably going to get rejections you're going to you'll probably get more rejections than you get acceptance yeah you will however the right person it will stick with and then you can build that relationship so 
at the end of the day, even if you do it on LinkedIn, the chances are you're probably never going to see them anyway. So, and they're not going to be like, never speak to me again. A lot of the time it will be that they're so busy. They don't um, respond. They can't, they don't respond because they have hundreds of friend requests like every day or connection requests every day. So don't feel like it's a personal thing on you. A lot of the time it's not about, it's not you at all. It's their workload or they just, you know, they just don't have the headspace to engage. But yeah, just keep trying. And like I said, the network. So Deji and I are part of um, the BIP network as well, another network, but the BIP network is for the general all over psychology. And I've got a few questions as well. <laughs> Winnie, you spoke about the idea of training the tutors. Where did that idea come from and how did it kind of manifest? I think I mentioned that I wanted to jump on the YouTube subscribe to my link thing that was going on where everyone had a YouTube channel <laughs> I was thinking of um what I could do and this was before COVID and it was mainly that I wanted to talk about side hassles and just having some extra source of income coming in mostly as a black person to to be able to afford to do the things that we actually want to do career-wise so as Kay said before like psychology isn't the straightforward career path where you go in and there's a clear promotion or progression that you go through um, and salary wise from our background it becomes a little bit harder to you know juggle an assistant psychologist job or you know even a trainee psychologist job that pays you less than national average and the demands that we would have as black kids so again, part of what I'm doing right now with the finance stuff is exploring all of those little things that eat at our money. So I've got people in Ghana who sometimes my mum wants me to send money to, right? And those are things that you don't account for, but it's stuff that is is coming out of your salary, et cetera. And if you're on, you know, less than national average, it's very hard to build up on that. So I was, I've always been very passionate about having a side hassle I didn't manage to you know start the YouTube channel because I was so busy um, but I was also thinking about what else you know how else I could impact people around me without the YouTube channel um, and part of it was well tutoring is something that you know if you have at least a good um, solid foundation in maths English even science etc now you know IT skills are very important so if you've got some idea about coding etc you can always teach a child especially again you know our siblings black kids etc but because I didn't have to reach through social media I just basically decided that I would just offer to train um, people in my immediate circle um, and then with COVID it became even more niche being able to tutor online and maintain um, engagement so I had already started training the tutors and then um, with with COVID I, I then started reaching out to all of these organizations who have who have now migrated online to offer my my training services because again they would probably have been doing training in-house but now they wouldn't have that facility anymore. How would I, you know, how would I come in and help them? Um, so I, I worked with a smaller um, private company and I'm still sort of working on building those links. Basically, that's, that's how the idea came about. I've just refined it now due to COVID. And I think that's really what we've all been doing, rebranding ourselves, 
making sure that we're responding to the times. Um, Alma said, you know, COVID has literally opened spaces for things that probably in the past would have been a saturated market, but now just a little tweak to it and then it's, it's a viable business. So yeah, that's, that's how I got into that. Thanks, Winnie. I think that's really, it's really a brave step to think, "Mm, I've done this so I can do, I've done A so I can do B um, and get into the A part is people doubt themselves oh, I've never done this before can I do it can I do it before I started like doing CV writing and coaching it's because of necessity and I always call myself an accidental entrepreneur because I didn't ask to be my contract to end <laughs> I didn't ask for that it just ended because it was a it was a maternity cover contract so the person came back and I was like what can I do that I already do but make money out of. I was helping people with their CVs for years. And then I was like, people make money out of this. So then I thought, I like, and, and funnily enough, even throughout the last two years being employed as well, I still do it because I love it. Like, it's weird. Like, I'll see someone's CV and I'll be like, yeah, I can see, like, I'll scan it within like maybe two minutes and I know exactly what I can do to improve it most of the time. And there's something weird <laughs> in me that really enjoys that challenge because it is a little bit of a challenge but it's also helping people so what is it that you're good at that you can monetize if you need to and you also spoke about um and one of the um one of the guests or one of the audience members so I think she's logged off at the moment she called it the black tap so being expected to contribute to household not that it's that's only a black thing or um, a, a minority thing but it's probably more so in minority homes, especially first generation. So your parents have come over or you were born somewhere else and you've come over as a young child or as a teenager, you're not going to have as much kind of like your, your family are not going to have as much social capital all the time. Not sometimes they do, but coming from a middle-class family somewhere else, you come to England and then you all of a sudden become working class sometimes because qualifications don't transfer all sorts of things don't transfer. So you end up being in a space where you don't have any human capital or much social capital. So you have to kind of back to square one in a lot of our families' cases. So what does that actually mean? That means less money coming to the household, um, but you have to make that up somehow. So anyone of working age, even if you have a little part-time job when you're 15, you can contribute. And what does that mean for you personally? I'm not saying don't do it because it's one of the things that I think that make being in those kinds of households, you become very aware and also very grateful for what you have because not everybody has it. So being able to share your money and to see what on earth is going on and how did my mum survive with less than me and how do I figure out how to save? All of that is something that is invaluable. Um, So again, it up Winnie if you ever do any courses I'll be on I'll be the first one on there because I need some help <laughs> okay and the last question is to Emma I just again I just think that your tenacity your spirit regards to how planted has developed and even before planted but planted especially because I've seen it develop in front of my eyes and I've been amazed so like four sellouts within a couple of months in a time where people are really struggling and where do you think your resilience comes from and that tenacity um I'd probably say my upbringing um just I'm I'm first generation I was born here I'm the only member of my family that was born here 
Um, everyone else came from Ghana. And just seeing my parents working dog hours to the point where like a lot of my childhood, I didn't even spend at home. Like I didn't even have a bedtime. I was mostly at, you know, other people's houses waiting to be picked up, like even at like eight, nine o'clock. These were like primary school years. I don't know if I'm hitting someone, but <laughs> that was my life. So I've always seen hustle. Now, the problem is the hard work and the result, because there's a lot of people that work really hard that see absolutely nothing. Mm. Um, and that's where I did not like, I, I didn't understand why do I have to do all this work? And I think that's why it put me off the psychology degree. It's just like, okay, all these barriers for what? Like, it's not even that much. Like, especially when you realize living the lifestyle you actually want to live costs a lot more than you think. I haven't a decent amount of money in these last three months and I realized wow I actually now know because I already knew but now I know like you actually need to make a lot of money to have a really nice lifestyle like a lot like a millionaire is a new middle class and if you don't agree with me it's actually true like the way money comes in and goes out is it's it's crazy so I think and I think it's, I don't I don't even have any choice like I got laid off. So what was I supposed to do? Like sit there and cry? Like, no, no, no. Um, I was happy to be out of there, but I needed to turn. I, I felt like COVID was as, as much as it's terrible. Let's not even lie. Like that, the side of it that is terrible, extremely bad. But it was a new chapter for a lot of people. It was like a, re- a reawakening or like a new birth, like a rebirth. I saw the few people who took advantage of this time that were stuck in their homes to reinvent themselves, I've seen them make huge changes in their lives. Like my life is completely different to what it was six months ago. And that's just because I decided to do that. Like it's all a choice every single day, it's a choice. And I didn't have to turn this into a business. It literally could have been there 70 people and that was it. Like I turned a hundred pounds into a grand in 10 days. Like I didn't have to do that, you know, but, what I wanted to do well what what are the choices that I have like why not take the opportunity and I think I have spent so much time I was raised in a household where there was a lot of fear there was a lot of like oh you do things this way and this way traditional nine to five that kind of thing and even when I was in uni no after I'd graduated and when I was trying to figure out how to do you know like not work um, and get paid for myself like I had a lot of doubts coming from my parents specifically my mom because she just at the time she just did not get it she what do you mean working for yourself what does that even mean like who's gonna pay you though like you're responsible for that wow like that's crazy and I'd be on the phone to clients because basically I was um freelancing at the time so I'd be on the phone for days emailing people just trying to see if I can get work at times I would at times I wouldn't um it was really hard and obviously because it got so bad I had to get a job but um, it, it was really hard to have that fear constantly being put on me. It was not even my own. And then I ended up wasting six months <laughs> somewhere that it was just that energy. Oh, gosh. That's, <laughs> I hate most is the wasted energy. Like, wow. But now knowing and, and the thing is, I, I think psychology not only applies to your career and stuff, it applies to yourself. Like I have always been a mindset person, but more than ever, this this COVID has taught me if your mind is not right wow life will shake you um and everyone's personal stories has has really just amplified that if I I could have let that happen like fired before 
a massive global pandemic like what does that even mean I've I saw so many people on Twitter screaming and like I don't know what to do I I just kept that to myself and I was like okay let's just turn this into something beautiful let's see what we can do and funny enough I was actually working on something else I was actually working on a men's skincare brand I was trying to do that so I was actually putting energy into something else because I saw that as an opportunity I was researching seeing what was happening I saw the up up spike in wellness and I thought well there's a lot of guys that also have no idea how to take care of themselves bear in mind like if, if you have the time please research it because men's skincare is a big market um and then planted came over and I had to say bye to my business partner I was like I'm sorry I can't like this is making me money right now and it has no logo I have no name wow this is ridiculous I have to do this you do that and he's even turned that brand into something completely different but um honestly like I said chaos turns into opportunities and if people don't start taking risks in life you just won't get what you want and you honestly get what you deserve what you work for and as long as you actually just respect your passions respect the lifestyle that you want respect the the abundance that can be for you you'll get it I think you should have another side hustle, Emma, as a motivational speaker, because you're doing a lot yeah, right now. I'm like, yeah, I could do it, guys. Well. Yeah, I'm just like, everyone, everyone can do it. Everyone, just believe in yourself. No, but it's true. Like, having that positive mindset or that opportunity mindset, I'm not saying to just diminish off people's actual struggle. Like, that's a, that's a totally different side of the coin. Um, and, you know, there are people that can help you with that too. But turning some of that, um, into opportunity and your your weaknesses into well development areas into strengths is really important one thing that Taz has asked as well for me is that um when I said when I was in 2016 I was like I didn't have an income like I actually didn't have an income and I was sitting down I was applying for jobs and I was like no what how can I make money right now <laughs> what can I do where I can make money right now and that thing was CVs and the question is like you know you know you help your friends out but there's a time when you're helping your friends but are they helping you and I'm not saying that you give to receive you don't but at the same time you've got to look after yourself and what you're doing is a skill like Emma's not going to give her oils away for free because that is something skilled that she knows will help you you go to the shop you buy bread for money you don't say uh can you not just you know just lend me the bread <laughs> you buy the bread because you've got to eat it so there's a time for friends and your friends are friends, but don't feel bad charging your friends for a service or a product. And if your friend is the real friend, they will understand. And definitely I've learned, and it's a learning curve over the last four years of, there's some that I will do for free and there's products I have for free. And there's events that I do for free, but time is really precious. Like a lot of us here, we've spoken about having a full-time job, having a part-time job, having a child, having a side hustle, having another side hustle, doing another degree, if you're anything like me. So all of these things take time. You don't have all the time in the day. So if someone's asking you for your help, that's fine if you've got the time to spare. But if you think you can monetize that for people who aren't your friends, you need to do that because at the end of the day, you still need to eat. And that is what drives me. Like, So break it down into how many sandwiches can I buy with that? So the CV you want me to write for you from scratch, you don't have a CV, you want me to create one for you. You're basically robbing me of 80 pounds. That's two weeks, that shopping, three weeks shopping for some people. So this is where 
I'm not saying your friends are taking food out of your mouth. I'm not going that literally. But even if they're not going to pay you, can they recommend people for you? Can, are they going to shout you out on Instagram? It doesn't have to actually be money. It's about promoting you and really respecting what you do as a craft. And I think when we, and again, I think sometimes there's a minority thing like, oh, we need to help each other. We need to help each other. But helping each other is not for free all the time. You can do a free workshop here and there and there's nothing wrong with that. And I think there's a great value in that. But then it's not everything you do for free. Um, and again, me, Kay, Winnie talk about this a lot because like pretty much two or three times a week we're talking about this. Like how can we get people to kind of really value what they're getting? Because all of these conversations, people have gone through their lives trying to learn this stuff, not just through an academic qualification, but through life. They've, they've acquired this information and everybody in the audience is in the same boat. You've got information and knowledge that people don't have. So when you do your skills audits, when you have a coach or you figure it out yourself, what is it that you have that will help you either in the job? How can you create that job to be what you need it to be? If you need it to be oxyc, is there a recruitment part of the business that you can second into? Um, how can you persuade people using your psychology skills to buy products? How can you create a chatbot or code that will allow people to buy this wellness product? All of those things are all psychology. So last but not least, I just wanted to say thank you so much to all the panellists. Entrepreneurship is something that is quite, what's that word? People think it's mystical. Like you, you, you just are born and you become Steve Jobs overnight. It doesn't happen like that. Even Steve Jobs wasn't Steve Jobs overnight. It took him his whole life and so did Bill Gates. So knowing these stories is invaluable. And like I said, um, by next, if you want to contact any of the speakers, feel free to find them on LinkedIn or any socials. They're all, I'm sure, very open to hearing from you, as am I. And I look forward to seeing you at the next. Have a lovely evening, everyone. And also, did anyone want to say anything from the panellists or are there any last minute questions from the audience I just wanted to say it was really really great to hear your stories to the other panelists Winnie I know a little bit but it was good to really understand like your journeys and it really inspired me and I took notes as well so I'll be connecting with you Deji and Emma thank you everyone for coming and have a lovely evening